صلى الله عليك يا رسول الله صلى الله عليك وعلى أهل بيتك المظلومين صلى الله عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي يا أبا عبد الله يا رحمة الله الواسعة ويا باب نجاة الأمة ويا عبرة كل مؤمن خاب والله من تمسك بكم وأمنا من لجأ والتجأ إليكم يا ليتنا يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز فوزا عظيما. Place your right right hand on your heart and send your voices to Karbala. Assalamu ala al-Husayn. وعلى علي بن الحسين وعلى أولاد الحسين وعلى جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولنبلونكم بشيء من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الأموال والأنفس والثمرات وبشر الصابرين الذين إذا أصابتهم مصيبة قالوا إنا لله وإنا إليه راجعون. It's really a gathering with remembrance of Muhammad and Ali Muhammad.
as a gift to the soul of our beloved, our Imam, our master, Al-Imam Al-Hussein, his honorable family and companions, recite the second salawat. For Allah to shower onto this gathering with his infinite mercy and compassion to hasten the reappearance of Sayyidina wa Mawlana Sahib al-Asli wa zaman recite the third salawat with the loudest of your voices. In order for us to fully align ourselves with the principles of Imam Al-Hussein and to be able to seek from the principles of Imam Al-Hussein and incorporate them in our lives, we must study his mission statement. And Imam Abu Abdullah Al-Hussein laid out his mission statement in numerous letters and sermons that he delivered prior to his journey towards Karbala. History tells us that when the governor of Medina summoned Imam Al-Hussein in that dark night and the month of Rajab, 60 years after Hijrah, and he asked him to pay a public allegiance to Yazid ibn Muawiyah. Imam al Hussein later on in that same evening met his half brother, Muhammad ibn al Hanafiyyah. And there was an exchange between those two brothers. Muhammad the son of Amir al-Mu'mineen, the half-brother of Imam al-Hussein, was telling Imam al-Hussein what he already knew. He was telling him, Yabna Rasulullah, may I be a sacrifice for you. You know the people of Kufa. As your father and our father describe them, they are talk but no action. As a community, they are individuals who will not stand up for the truth. When it's time to stand up for the truth, they are all silent. When it is time to silence those who speak of injustice and tyranny, they remain quiet. Amir al-Mu'mineen describes them and he says, their deen, their faith, is only a lip service with no action. Yabna Rasulullah, what are you doing? And Imam al Hussein already knew this. Therefore, Imam al Hussein wrote his very last will. How can you align yourself with Imam al Hussein? How can you better know Imam al-Hussein without, without reading his final will, his wasiyah? He wrote his wasiyah and he gave this wasiyah to his brother Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyyah. Let me read some of the wasiyah of Imam al-Hussein. فَقَالَ الْحُسَيْنُ بْنُ عَلِيٍّ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ يَا أَخِي Imam Hussein tells his brother Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyyah. Wallah, 
لو لم يكن ملجأ ولا مأوى لما بايعت يزيد بن معاوية Oh my brother Muhammad If there is no place on the face of this earth for me to take refuge to I will not give allegiance to Yazid the son of Muawiyah فقطع محمد بن الحنفي الكلام وبكى At that point Muhammad his brother could not handle what Imam al-Hussein was saying so he started weeping and crying فبكى الحسين معه ساعة and Imam al-Hussein also cried cried at the state of the Muslim ummah فقال Imam al-Hussein now says ya akhi jazakallahu khaira May Allah reward you. Jazakallahu khaira, O my brother. Faqad nasahta. You're giving me advice. And Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyah was true in his advice. And what's remarkable about Imam al-Hussein is, is that he listened to the advice. And he's thanking him for the advice. Wa'asharta bis-sawab. And what you have said is true about the people of Kufa. وَأَنَا عَازِمٌ عَلَى الْخُرُوجِ إِلَى مَكَّةِ And now I embark to Mecca. وَقَدْ تَهَيَّأْتُ لِذَلِكِ And I am fully prepared for that. أَنَا, myself. وَإِخْوَتِي And my brothers. وَبَنُوا إِخْوَتِي And my nephews. وَشِيَعْتِي Imam Hussain says, my Shia are leaving with me. Can I really call myself a Shia? Would I really have joined him on that day? And what I command is done. They do not question me. And their opinion is my opinion. وَمَا أَنْتَ يَا أَخِي فَلَا عَلَيْكَ إِلَّا أَنْ تُقِيمَ بِالْمَدِينَةِ And your role, my brother, as your imam, I command you to remain in Medina. For many people who ask why Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyya did not join Imam al-Hussein. To do what? فَتَكُونُ لِي عَيْنًا So that you watch over Medina. وَلَا تُخْفِي عَنِّي شَيْئًا مِنْ أُمُورِهِمْ And tell me of their affairs. And write to me of their affairs. This is the important part. Now we've gone to the important part. ثُمَّ دَعَ الْحُسَيْنُ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ بِدَوَاتٍ وَبَيَاضٍ وَكَتَبَ هَذِهِ الْوَصِيَّةِ لِأَخِيهِ مُحَمَّدٍ Then Imam Hussain told him, bring me a paper and pen. I'm about to write my will. My final wasiyah. And I'm about to give that to you, O Muhammad. What did he write there? بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم هذا ما أوصى به الحسين بن علي بن أبي طالب إلى أخيه محمد المعروف بن الحنفية. This is the farewell. This is the وصية of Hussein the son of Ali to his brother Muhammad known as Muhammad بن الحنفية. أن الحسين يشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله. I don't need to translate this part. First and foremost, if you want to align yourself with Imam al-Hussein, 
know that Imam Al-Hussein begins with Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. That there is no God but Allah. And that Muhammad is the final messenger. And then he says, وَأَنَّ الْجَنَّةَ وَالنَّارَ حَقَّ Jannah is real. And nar is real. Eternal paradise is real and eternal damnation is real. If you want to be part of the camp of Imam Al-Hussein, make sure you remind yourself of that on daily basis. That we will all die. And we will be put on our backs seven feet deep. And that the day of judgment is coming, the day of reckoning is coming. There is no question about that. And those who are laid in their graves, one day they will be resurrected. Allahu Akbar. Those are the words of Imam Al-Husayn that we, we must be reminded of. This statement must be written at the entrance of every majlis and gathering that establishes the name of Imam Al-Husayn. There I'm about to tell you the mission statement of your Imam. I embark on this journey for no other reason but to bring reform to the ummah of my grandfather Rasulullah so that I enjoin the good, I forbid the evil, and I take the footsteps of my grandfather Rasulullah and my father Amir al-Mu'mineen. Meaning what? Meaning you cannot join the camp of Imam al-Husayn if you have other motives. If your motive is the dunya, you cannot join the camp of Hussein. If your motive is glory, you cannot join the camp of Imam al-Husayn. If your motive is fame, you cannot join the camp of Imam al-Husayn. If you have worldly desires, you cannot join the camp of Imam al-Husayn. The camp of Imam al-Husayn is, is a camp strictly dedicated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A camp of submission to the Almighty Allah. And he says, I am here to create reform. This is the word, reform, change. This is why Imam al-Husayn gave his blood. To rejuvenate the ummah of his grandfather Rasulullah and to take the footsteps of his father and his grandfather Rasulullah. Then he says to him, Ya Muhammad, now give me another paper and pen. And this is the second letter that Imam al Hussein, after his will, he wrote this letter. What is this letter? It reads, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Min al-Husayn ibn Ali ibn Abi Talib ila Bani Hashim. From Hussein, the son of Ali ibn Abi Talib, to whom? To his clan, to his tribe. To his family, Bani Hashim. Allahu Akbar. He answered Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyah. He gave him his answer right there and then. Amma ba'd. 
kept it very short, very precise, right to the point, not beating around the bush. Whoever joins me will become a shaheed. Imam al Hussein knows. And he's telling them right up in the front. And those who do not attain the status of shahada will not achieve a worldly victory. You will not achieve a khilafa. You will not achieve a government. You will not achieve wealth. Wassalam. End of the letter. This my brothers and sisters, is the mission statement of Imam al-Hussein. Imam al-Hussein spoke to his family. He wrote a letter to all of Bani Hashim. The vast majority of them said to him, Labbaika ya Hussein, and they joined him. But some of them did not. Some of them opposed him. Some of them gave them gave him advice as skeptics, don't do this. But what did Imam al Hussein do? Imam al Hussein went on to create that relationship and that bond and that transaction with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not the people. Therefore, you cannot join the camp of Imam al Hussein if you're out there to please the people. The only way for you to join the camp of Imam al Hussein is to know that the first and last of your objectives should be Rid Allah Azza wa Jal. And in return, what does Allah do? Allah says, Hussein, some of those people that they, they did not join you, your family was. a small number of individuals on the 10th of Muharram. Instead, I will reward you with the greatest family that the universe has ever witnessed. All of you are the family of Hussein. Not just you, millions of people around the world are the family of Hussein. People lose their parents and after 40 days, after a year or two, if the weather is good, they don't, if the weather is bad, they don't visit the grave. If it's rainy, they don't visit the grave. If it's snowing, they don't visit the grave. But this family of Imam al Hussein, they don't care about the weather. They don't care when they're going to sleep, where they're going to sleep. They will walk to his grave. 20 million of them every single year. For what? For worldly gains? Absolutely not. For vacation? It's no Paris. But only and only to show their love, their devotion to Sayyid al-Shuhada al-Imam al-Hussein Abu Abdullah al-Hussein. And therefore, brothers and sisters, we realize that the mission statement of Imam al-Hussein is to create a sense in the community of Muslims that their community must be alive. Should not be a dead community. And today we find many individuals in our community who are drowning. 
And I really mean this. They are drowning. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam says to us, when a person is drowning, he needs a rescue boat. And Imam al-Husayn is that rescue boat. Inna al-Husayn misbah al-huda wa safinatul najat. When a person is drowning in the midst of the ocean, they need a rescue boat to come to them and rescue them. They cannot think of anything else. If they're hungry, they don't think of their hunger. If they're thirsty, they don't think of their thirst. All they think about is get me out of here, get me to safety. Today there are many people drowning in our community. And they are voiceless. Nobody lends them a voice. Imam al-Hussein was there to lend them a voice. And the member of Imam al-Hussein must lend them a voice. The youth in our community are the voiceless. Nobody cares about them. Nobody listens to them. They are never a priority. The divorcees in our community are lonely and voiceless. The single parents in our community are lonely and voiceless. The converts in our community are lonely and voiceless. Kids from divorced families are lonely and voiceless. People with disabilities in our community are lonely and voiceless. People from low-income families in our community are lonely and voiceless. And if we, the member of Imam al-Hussein, do not lend those people a voice, we have failed. And the member has failed. And I am surprised at people who say, this topic is irrelevant to Muharram. How is it irrelevant? Imam al-Hussein is safinatul najat. He is there to rescue people. If you sit and you talk about ahkam al-salah and ahkam al-wudu and ahkam of this and ahkam of that to a person who is going through chronic depression, who is contemplating suicide, what good would that do for them? You need to tell them that Imam al-Hussein has a solution for you and your problems today. The Quran relates to your life today. The Quran has solutions to offer to your problems today. Whether you are a teenager, whether you are a parent, whether you are somebody that is struggling at work, whether you are struggling with your hijab living in this, whatever it may be. The real issues that our community face, if we want to engage the entire community and our youth and have a bright future for Islam, we must show them that Imam al Hussein's camp has a solution to offer for you. And amongst the greatest of communities of voiceless individuals in our midst are those who go through the trauma of breakups. Separations. Ask me why. I'll tell you. Because it's, just not, it's not just two people involved. Parents with divorced children. Children with divorced parents, divorced women, divorced men. And it does not just have to be people that have gone through separation or divorce. It could be a mother that has lost her son. It could be a wife that lost her husband. It could be someone who walked away from someone they love because of circumstances.
could be someone listening to me now who has their parent, who has their significant other, but they're away from them. For whatever reasons, those re for whatever reasons they may be, they're away from at school, they're traveling, they're hospitalized. And isn't the story of Imam al Hussein one that resonates? Does the story of Imam al Hussein not speak of losing loved ones? Does the story of Imam al Hussein not speak of resilience and strength despite the immense trauma and grief? Does the story of Imam al Hussein not speak of the power of faith and prayers and healing? Every single one of us one day will lose a loved one, and we have to heal from that. Rasulullah clearly states, he says to his companions, Ihbib man love whoever you want. Love as many people as you want. One day you will separate. One day fate will separate you. So we all will go through separation. We all need to hear of healing. And the story of Imam al Hussein is a beacon of hope for all of us, for all of humanity, to take strength from the resilience of Imam al Hussein. I'll tell you this and I'll get into my topic. The historians that were there just to narrate the story of Ashura, they say, We did not see a man with more willpower with more strength when facing adverse when facing the troubles and the tribulations on the 10th of Muharram like Hussein ibn Ali every time a calamity fell onto him he was stronger every time a member of his camp was killed he came out stronger they say even when he lost his son Ali al akbar and his son Ali al Asghar and Qasim Kana Arbatu Jinanan Wazima and came out with more strength. And I would like to speak of this topic in eight stages after your three loud salawats ala Muhammadin wa Ali Muhammad. What is unacceptable is the weak salawat. One more time with the loudest of your voices. Three salawats ala Muhammadin wa Ali Muhammad. Many people, the first misconception that I would like to talk about is that many people believe 
that breakups and the trauma of separation only affects the weak. If you're a weak person, then you'll sit there whining and crying and getting depressed. But if you're a strong person, you'll move on the next day. That is why you have to build your strength. And I am here to tell you that that is far from the truth. One of the most powerful individuals in history who built the famous Taj Mahal. Who was, what was his name? Shah Jahan. Shah Jahan. He was an emperor, a Mughal emperor. And he lost his wife. And they say that he went into a deep state of depression to a point where he could not conduct his affairs as an emperor. And that is why he commissioned the Taj Mahal in the memory of his wife, Um Taj Mahal. And I am here to tell you that grief is okay. And I'm also here to say that amongst the most toxic of advice that you can give someone is to force them into changing the way they feel about something or someone. They've lost someone, they're grieving. Oh, he was no good for you, it's okay, you should be celebrating. That's toxic advice. People need to take time to grieve. And it's not a, a sign of weakness. When we spend time with this individual, with another human being, even with another animal, for a period of time, and we lose that individual, there are good memories that we will think of. There are, there will be good memories that come to mind. And therefore, it's not a sign of weakness to grieve. So don't give the advice to people that forces them, just forget this person. Or you have to start loving this person now. Or even this, I'll say this, to force individuals to forgive someone by force. You have to forgive this person. Push them into forgiving someone. Let people take their time, grieve, and they will heal. And when it comes, when time comes, they will forgive, inshallah. They will forget. They will try to forget. Number two, another misconception is that men don't grieve. And we hear this so many times. Oh, he's a man. He'll get over it. And if there is a man that is grieving, then we don't go to them. We don't try to help them and the process of their grief and the trauma that they have faced. I know men who grieve a lifetime who cannot get over someone a lifetime. But men grieve differently. And it does not mean that if you are a man, you should not be sad about separation, about losing a loved one. Another powerful man 
truly a man, if you read his biography, it is an impressive life's journey. Mahatma Gandhi, go read his biography. His wife, her health started declining, and this man was grieving while her decline. And when he lost her, go read about his grief. This man, this reformist, this individual that changed the fate of India forever was grieving over the loss of his wife. Number three, and this is a very important one, please pay attention to me, is that children from divorced or unstable relationships suffer the most. Let me pause here for a moment. I invite you all to rediscover and to read about the Renaissance and the life of Henry VIII who broke off from the Catholic Church. It's a long process of the Renaissance. Henry VIII decides that he's no longer going to be the puppet of the Pope. His wife, Catherine, who happened to be a Spaniard, and the Pope at the time was also a Spaniard, made his life miserable. There was always fights and commotion. Some accounts say she even tried to overthrow him. Eventually, they, they separated. Eventually, there was a divorce and a separation. And Henry VIII put everything that he had on the line to make sure that there is a new church known as the Church of England that is no longer a slave to Rome. And he converted as many people as he possibly can. And when he died, they had a daughter who witnessed all this trouble between the father and the, the mother, between the king and the queen. Her name was Mary. When she became the queen, she killed more Christians than all pagan armies combined. Go read history. Her name is Bloody Mary. She killed and crucified and burned more Christians in the name of Jesus Christ than all pagan armies combined. Why? To take the vengeance of what had happened between her and her father, her mother and her father. And she saw that this is the fault of religion. This is the fault of the church. So I'm going to take vengeance. Children from broken families. Children, and look, sometimes divorce is the only way. Sometimes separation is the only way. And those children, they will suffer, but we must make sure that they receive extra attention. They receive extra care. They receive extra love. And next, I would like to speak about what it means when we say trauma. Trauma from separation, trauma from divorce, trauma from losing a loved one. What does it really mean? Trauma 
is associated with fear. Fear of what? For the individual separating, fear of, am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? Am I never going to have someone? Am I ever going to be able to move on? Am I ever going to be able to be financially independent? What will, we, what will people say? This could be the greatest fear in people's minds and hearts. Will I have to now isolate myself and run away from my family and my community so that I do not face all the judgments? Fear of their children. Will the same thing happen to me? Will I also have a miserable life? Fear of trusting people. Fear of trusting their own partners. Fear of their partners walking away from them. Fear of the parents of those who have gone through a divorce. What is their number one fear? Have I failed as a parent? What did I do wrong? That my children have to go through this. All this fear translates into trauma. And it is real. Number five. Social isolation. People who go through separation, it's very natural that they go through social isolation. Obviously, they don't probably feel like seeing anybody for some time. But that's not the main reason. Let's be real. The main reason is they don't want to be judged. And they don't want to hear it. Let me say it again. They don't want to hear it. Every time you meet with people who have gone through a divorce or a separation. So how are you feeling? If they want to share, they will share. Have you moved on? If they want to share about their, you know, status of moving on, they would. You don't need to ask them. Don't pray into their lives. When will you find someone else? It's really none of our business. What, so what really happened? Again, it's none of my business. Do you resent him? Again, it's none of my business. But what do we do? We can't. We have to make sure we pass judgment on everyone and everything all day, every day, 365. So guess what? Those people will run away from the community. They will isolate from the community. They don't want to be associated with that community. And you and I know many individuals who are no longer part of our community just because of this particular issue. They're nowhere to be found. And who is there to be blamed? I literally once got a call from a couple. We need counseling. I said, why? I said, because we have a dispute over why our friends got divorced. Really? She's taking her side. I'm taking his side. Now we need counseling because now we're going through a divorce. What is your duty as a Husseini? To end this nonsense. 
somebody's preying on somebody's life, stop it right there and then. Somebody's harassing someone else about their divorce and their marriage and their family problems, end it right there and then. If somebody's backbiting, end it. Have the bravery to end it. Be brave enough to stand up. Because when you stand up and you put an end to injustice, to backbiting, to accusations, yes, you may not see its value in this life, but it will come to you on the day that you most need it. When is it? In the grave. Hadith say that when we stand up for haq and we lay in our grave, we see our a'mal. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا Huh? وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًّا يَرَى You see it. How do you see it? The hadith tells you. It's in Kitab al-Kafi. You see the bad acts and bad figures coming to you. And the good acts and beautiful figures approaching you. So you see your salah, you see your siyam, you see every, And then you see a powerful, most beautiful existence. Once no one, none of your a'mal can help you, this amal comes and says, move away, I can help you. Who are you? What are you doing here? I am that word of haq that you said when injustice was taking place. I am that word of haq that you said when someone's reputation was on the line. I am that word of haq that took place from you when someone was being accused. Be a Husseini. Let the spirit of Imam al Hussein live within you. Don't be intimidated. Speaking the truth could be intimidating. But can it be more intimidating than what Imam al Hussein faced on the 10th of Muharram? Say 20,000. Umar ibn Sa'd, it was noontime. He said, Take out your blades. Let the sun reflect on your swords and send that reflection towards the camp of Hussein so that we can scare him. And then they all drew their swords. Imam al Hussein says, Not you 20, 25,000. If all the Arabs come and they draw their swords in my face, I would not give my back to them. Is this more intimidating or us speaking the truth or standing in defense of haq? If you are really a Husseini, you take example of Hussein. You incorporate that in your life. And I'm telling my younger brothers and sisters, stand up for the truth. If you are in school and somebody is being bullied, you as a Muslim and a Husseini, go to aid that individual who is being bullied. Stand with them. Aid them. Show compassion towards them. Don't say, well, he's not the cool kid. I don't want to affiliate myself with them. No, that's not what a Husseini would do. Number six, how do we heal? And with this, I want to conclude. Number one, as crazy as it sounds, don't be a Karen. That's... Don't go around trying to expose this person and destroy their life and, you know, make sure that you make their lives miserable and taking revenge. 
blaming others, it will not bring healing to you. It will not bring contentment to you. It will not make you a happier person. Let's say this person that you separated from is set on fire. How will that make you happy? How will that make you a happier person? It will not. Don't waste your time with blaming others and blaming yourself and trying to take revenge, especially with social media today. Because social media, I sit behind my phone. There's nobody there to tell me not to do that. And I just sit there and I expose this person and that person. And I go after this person's reputation and that person's reputation. And I tell you one thing, make this a rule of thumb. Make this a rule in your life. A person who exposes others have the most flaws within them. If you hear somebody sitting exposing someone else, know that this person is full of filth. Because somebody who has flaws themselves, they'll count their flaws. They will fix their flaws. But when they realize I don't want to change myself, they'll try to make others also look bad. Amir al-Mu'mineen says, If a mu'min spends his time counting his flaws, he will never have time to look at the flaws of others. Are we flawless when we go and we speak of other people's issues? Do we not have sin? Do we not have mistakes? We do. So let's work on them. Let's focus on them. And last but not least, last but not least, I am here to tell the world that you're not alone in this journey of healing. Walk with Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you in that journey. If you lost a loved one, if circumstance separated you from someone you love, if you lost a family member, if you go through a divorce, if your parents went through a divorce, if your children went through a divorce, if you're suffering from trauma of separation and losing a loved one, you're not alone. Allah sees you. Allah has a witness to your struggle. Allah's eyes do not shut. You may complain to your friends, your relatives, and at some point they say, enough, come on, you're complaining so much. But you can complain your state to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He is there to listen. لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم He does not get tired nor he sleeps. And Allah makes an eminent promise. إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَى After all difficulties there will be ease. That's a promise from God. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, while he was escaping Mecca to Medina and he was with his companion in the cave, his companion was extremely afraid for the right reasons. Quraysh was chasing them. They could find them in any moment. They could both be slaughtered. It's just two of them. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam says, says this advice to him. This advice is recorded by Allah and the Holy Quran for me and you. قَالَ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا When you are most afraid, know that Allah is with you. 
and talk about loneliness, being alone, having no one, being afraid. Tonight is a night dedicated to the most lonely man in the camp of Hussein who face the ultimate betrayal, the envoy of Sayyid al-Shuhada, Muslim ibn Aqil. Allahu Akbar. Take solace in Muslim. Imam al-Hussein sends his cousin, his beloved, a faqih, a alim, from Al, Abu Talib, so the people of Kufa, and when he arrives, they, arri they greet him and they welcome him. And soon enough, you all know what happened to Muslim. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. After he prayed Salat al-Isha, he looked around and there was no one around him. This is the Safir of Imam al Hussein. Fida'an laka ya Muslim. This brave man who did not give up, who did not run away, who did not say, I am alone. He made his way to the streets of Kufa, the alleys of Kufa. It was dark. There was no one there. He went and he stood in front of the door of a woman. She came out. She said, Ya Abdullah, what do you need? He said to her, I am hungry. I'm thirsty. The Safir of Imam al-Hussein is hungry and thirsty. Allahu Akbar. She says to him, I will feed you. She fed him. She gave him water. And then she says to him, listen, I am a woman. I live alone. I don't want you to sit here. People will say things. So maybe you should leave. He said to her, and where should I go? She said to her, well, don't you have a family? Don't you have a place? Don't you have friends? He says, I have no one in this city. How do you not have anyone in this city? Who are you? He says, Ana Muslim ibn I am Muslim. The cousin of Imam al Hussein, the Safir of Imam al Hussein. Anta Muslim? Waylakum ya ahl al Kufa. Wow, on to you, O people of Kufa. You neglected the Safir of Hussein. Come inside. She says, Tawa says, he spent that whole night in Salah. He spent that whole night in ibadah. And Taw'a's son, of course, he knew that there is a ransom on the head of Muslim ibn Aqil. So he went and he told Umar bin Ziyad, Abdullah bin Ziyad, Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, he told him the whereabouts of Muslim. They came and they surrounded the house of Muslim. They took him to Dar al-Khilafah, Dar al-Imara. They were about to execute him. He says, give me a moment. Why do you need a moment? Are you afraid of death? He says, no. I would like to perform wudu and pray two rak'ah of salah. They allowed him to pray. Then he faced himself towards the camp of Imam al-Hussein. He says, Ya Aba Abdullah, Alayka minni Ya Aba Abdullah, let me be the first shaheed to give my salams to you. What did they do to him? They threw him from the palace down to the ground and they started 
dragging his body all around the streets of Kufa. Allahu Akbar, the news reached the camp of Imam al-Hussein. Imam al-Hussein called the Aytam of Muslim ibn Aqil. He began to show them love. The wife of Muslim says, Ya Aba Abdullah, you're treating my children as if they are orphans. He says, indeed, from today onwards, I am the father of those children. Those Aytam, I will be the one that takes care of them. I will take care of you as well. And you all know that the fate of the children of Muslim was the same as their father. There were young boys and they were running for refuge when they caught them. They were gharib, they were madloom, they were all by themselves, tiflan, Muslim, and they killed them both. But I am here to tell you, brothers and sisters, I am here to tell you, Ya Sahib al-Asri wa-Zaman, on the 10th of Muharram, there was no one to take care of your own Aytam, Ya Aba Abdullah. There was no one to come and lend a hand and pet them, Ya Aba Abdullah. On the 10th of Muharram, your children had to run away from one tent to another. Their clothes were caught on fire. There was one woman who said to them, to the children, allow me to take the whips prior to you. If somebody is there to set your garments on fire, allow my garments before your garments to be set on fire. She was the one that ran after the children. That woman was your sister Zainab, Ya Aba Abdullah. Let us send our hearts, our souls, our minds to the land of Karbala, to the land of the Ushak, all of you brothers and sisters, the lovers of Hussein, I want you to shake this building up. We all have hajat. We all want to be part of those who visit Imam al-Hussein in Arba'een. Ya Sayyidana wa Maulana Inna tawajjahna وَقَدَّمْنَاكَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ حَاجَاتِنَا All of you brothers and sisters, I don't want anybody to remain silent. We all have hajat. We all want a glance from Imam Al-Hussein at this majlis tonight. We all want a glance from his grandson, Al-Imam Al-Mahdi, at this majlis tonight. Ya wajihan Allah. Louder, one more time. Ya wajihan. For those who have ill ones, for those who have hajat, for those who have issues within their life, suffering from mental health, one more time with the loudest of your voices. Ya wajihan Allah. For just a few moments, I would like to recite this poetry. You all have this poetry memorized, and I want you to recite with me this poetry. It is Friday night. We take our hearts to Imam al Hussein. This is what Imam al Hussein tells all of his Shia. He says, Shiati, Bahma, Sharibtum, Adbama'in, 
فَذْكُرُونِي You've all heard this. That's all my Shia. Whenever you drink water, what? Remember me. Shi'ati mahma sharibtum adba ma'in fadhkuruni aw sam'atum bishaheedin aw qatilin fandubuni and if you hear of a shaheed and a qatil cry for me fa'ana as-sibtu alladhi for I am that grandson of Rasulullah min ghayri jurmin qataluni they killed me and slayed me without a crime Shi'ati, all of the brothers and sisters, I want everybody to recite with me. Shi'ati, mahma sharib, tum adhba ma'in fadhkuruni. Shi'ati, mahma sharib, tum adhba ma'in fadhkuru. I don't care where you're from, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, we all can recite together in our different accents. But this is the legacy of Imam al-Husayn. And you are the azadar of Imam al-Husayn. Shi'ati mahma sharibtum adhba ma'in fadhkuruni Aw sami'tum bi shahidin aw qatilin fandubuni Karbala, ya Karbala. All those who have a desire to be in Karbala soon, I want to hear you. Karbala, ya Barmasham, Mirasad, Haralazabu, ya Karbala. One more time, Karbala. It is time for dua, it is time for our hajat. Let us ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ten times in his glorious name wherever you may be sitting. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, Ya Allah Oh Allah, we ask you in the name of Muhammad and Ali and Fatima and Hassan and Hussein Raise your hands to Allah as beggars Every man and woman present in this majlis with a sin forgive our sins With a haja give us our hajat With an illness grant us cure اللهم أدخل على أهل القبور السرور اللهم شافي وعافي كل مريض اللهم سد فقرنا بغناك اللهم ارزقنا زيارة الحسين 
اللهم ارزقنا شفاعة الحسين اللهم عجل ثم عجل لمولانا الفرج والعافية والناصر اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين واخذل الكفر والمنافقين اللهم انصر من نصر الدين to all those individuals who have participated whether it is one dollar whether it is your participation whether it is your time whether it is sponsorships let us gift this majlis to the soul of all the mu'mineen and mu'minats especially the marhumin from your families wa ala muhammadin wa ali muhammad as-salat